Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Elsewhere around North Dakota, anglers continue finding perch success on Devil's Lake with most activities still at East Bay. However, access can still be challenging at times in areas on the lake, so track vehicles are recommended yet. It doesn't help that winds were moving recent snows around. Try working early morning hours or late afternoon for walleye throughout the lake as well. The wind also prompted a lot of anglers to get their ice houses off Lake Ashtabula last week ahead of the March 15th date when permanent houses can't be left unattended. Anglers are out on the lake yet, but not in the numbers they were throughout much of the winter. Look for some crappie activity on Jamestown Reservoir yet. Out west, the Missouri River Tailways is quiet once again in terms of angler numbers. Lake Sakakwea remains hit and miss for walleye, but there's a bit more of a pike bite showing up on the east end of the lake. Focus on larger flats adjacent to deeper water in the back bays, using smelter herring. The midsection around Van Hook remains slow as well, and that's for walleye and pike. The weather might not seem like the approach of spring is here yet, but it is definitely time to get those houses off of North Dakota lakes. And yes, it is March 15th. Anglers can still use them, but they simply can't be left unattended. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale. And she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. We have Luke Snow. He is a local whitetail fanatic. And he's not going to like it when I say expert, but he's, I consider him an expert. He, he has a, a page called Hit List Whitetails. He lives for whitetails, kind of like Kyle and I do for fishing and everything outdoors. Uh, Luke is a whitetail guy. How are you doing, Luke? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? We're doing well. You know, a lot of people believe that deer hunting is one month one month during the year some people it's only one weekend during the year but it really can be a year-long passion if you if you want to take it that way if that's what you enjoy doing there's so much to do and the reason why we ended up having you on is because we want to talk about shed hunting right now shed hunting this time of year over the next month 
two months. It all depends. It's kind of weather dependent based on the melt and all that kind of stuff. But let's talk shed hunting for a little bit because I'm pretty sure you can give us and our listeners some tips on it. What time, when does shed hunting get really good? I've seen some photos here recently that people are finding sheds already. And then now we just get this big storm, which I think is going to hamper that. But when does shed hunting really start? The best thing you can do is keep an eye on the deer herd and, and let the deer tell you, you know, when they're dropping their antlers. And obviously if you're keeping an eye on a food source or a bedding area or whatever, driving around, keeping an eye on the deer and several of them are still holding antlers, then you want to pump the brakes a little bit and uh, try not to push in too early and, and mess up your chances later on down the road. So, you know, there's a lot of folks who say that, oh, the big deer dropped their antlers first, or they dropped their antlers last, or is there any truth to uh, the size of the, the age of the deer, the size of the antlers in terms of when those antlers fall? You know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, a lot of people say that it's based on uh, the stress of the animal. So a more intense uh, winter approaching uh, may cause them to shed early. Maybe an older buck is a little bit more run down from the rut and, and will shed early as those younger bucks tend to have a little bit more energy and maybe hold on to them longer. I know that I've already found sheds off mature and immature bucks so far this year. There's a lot of reasons why shed hunting is a fun sport, why it can be popular. And I know you're a family man, and I think that's another great reason because this can be a very popular family sport where you can get your family out, get your kids out. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's nice about it is you're not concerned with scent control and, and you know, you don't have to keep your kids quiet and things like that. And it's just nice to do. I like to get outside any chance I can. So if I can bring the family along and, and get them interested in, in doing what I enjoy, then we can all spend time together looking for sheds and enjoying the outdoors. So so is there an advantage to shed hunting as far as learning the herd for those people that may not, you know, may not be checking on the herds right next to where they live if they're a little ways away? Um, is there an advantage to them to go out and do some shed hunting? Is that good reconnaissance for the following fall? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing is deer have their summer ranges, fall ranges, winter ranges. So they're constantly evolving where they bed and where they feed. And, and so if you're wanting to pick up antlers and give yourself the best opportunity, then you want to spend time where those deer were spending time when they dropped the antlers. You're going to need to locate food sources and things like that. Your favorite hunting spots from November aren't necessarily going to produce shed antlers because the deer may be two, three, five miles away. But I still pay attention to the, the deer sign. I mean, you can see rubs from the previous fall. If the snow's melted, you can find scrapes and and get a really good idea where some rut activity was taking place at that time. You know, Luke, this is one of the things that I have uh, found so true about shedding that the times I've gone is that those antlers are really hard to find until they aren't. And a lot of times you can walk right by them and they're laying out in the, the broad open expanse and then the next time you walk back that trail or something, there it is right in front of you. What are what are some tips you can give folks in terms of 
actually being out in those areas you described, but searching for the antlers themselves. Right. So once you locate where the deer are feeding or bedding, I mean, maybe they're uh, feeding on a private property that you can't get access to, but you know they're bedding on public. So then when the time is right, you get in their bedroom and you're walking around looking for antlers. You're not looking for an entire antler. And a lot of people say that you're looking for, you know, uh, maybe a point of a tine or the curve of a beam or maybe a base sticking out of the snow or grass. And you're learning to recognize those signs, I guess. The more you do it, the better you're going to get at training your eyes to look for the right stuff. So one thing that really helped me when I was starting out was to carry what I'd call a practice antler. I'd carry around an antler and as I'm walking, I'd toss it over my shoulder and turn around. You don't know where it landed, but I mean, you got a general idea and you just, maybe that antler ends up buried in the grass and you can just see a little bit of a time and it ends up training your eyes to help you in the long run. And uh, yeah, the more you do it, I mean, everyone you find is going to, is going to help you a little bit more. So that is a great, great tip. And, and Kyle is so true with, with shed hunting and a lot of, a lot of our outdoor sports is the same with foraging. You don't know how, how easy it is until you actually see it and know how easy it is. Um, right. And although I'm not, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it's easy, but you don't see what you don't see until you see it. Uh, yeah, you definitely uh, have your good days and your bad days when you're looking, that's for sure. So what areas, we're, we're talking food plots, things like that, wintering areas how long do we got to wait for the snow to melt i mean right now we just got a bunch of bunch of fresh snow do we got to wait till all that snow's gone or will that start to melt down relatively quick because of the if there's a tine sticking out you know which will gather the sun's rays this time of year well so it seems well the more deer that are herding in a particular area the the more compact all those trails are going to be if you got Two, three hundred deer using the same food plot or the same bedding area, river bottom, whatever it may be, they're going to have that snow packed in there. The snow might be knee deep, but if you're in those areas, you're walking on top of 18 to 24 inches of snow. So mm-hmm. um, you're not going to want to just go wandering off into, you know, the transition areas and things like that, especially early. I try to stick to food sources that are close to the road go in there midday that way the deer are back in their bedroom and you're not bugging them you know any more than you need to but uh yeah a lot of times you'll i've found several sheds already this year that are just laying on top of the compact snow all right luke if people want to reach out to you if they got any more questions on shed hunting or whitetails in general how can they get a hold of you well uh i'm on facebook luke snow you can reach out to me anytime i've got an instagram luke underscore snow underscore hitless whitetails and uh yeah i'd be happy to answer any questions and and give any more tips thanks for coming on gone outdoors buddy hey thank you guys i appreciate the invite well it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of outdoors live appreciate the podcast extra being made available by scotty brewer and kyle agri uh, make sure you check out them saturday mornings at 11 o'clock 
And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.